All right, everyone, what's good? Welcome back to the Brawn and Brains podcast with me, Kev Gomez, and my friend Ben Stanners. Um, this is now our fourth installment of the education series. This time we are going to be looking at the fundamentals of supplementation. Uh, I think this is either, depending on kind of whereabouts in your journey you are, this is either going to be a, a very interesting one for you or potentially a little more of a, a, a chill one, but worth a listen anyway, because hopefully we can... Uh, give you a, a few cool little uh, gold nuggets of information that you may not have sort of considered before, even if you are yeah. a, a little further down your journey and kind of a little more well-versed in the world of supplements. Um, but I think kind of before we sort of delve into any, you know, supplements as such, I think it's probably really worth primarily touching on why we'll really, you know, be looking to use supplements when they're actually appropriate. Because um, especially with this being the fundamentals, I think uh, it's very easy especially for those maybe who are a little newer into the game. But I guess, you know, even even if you haven't kind of gotten too involved in looking at some of the literature around these supplements, it's probably still quite easy to see them as a, a bit of a unicorn, you know, a real mm -hmm. game changer yeah. when it comes to progress and results. And it's really not the case. Uh, I, always, I always think of kind of the guideline of, you know, if the effects of something were really that prominent in aiding your performance, it probably wouldn't be long until that something was actually just listed as a performance-enhancing drug. So yeah, um, yeah. So that that's that's one to quickly wrap out of the way. So uh, instead, you know, why why might we actually be using supplements? And I think really the the kind of main reasons why we'd be looking at supplement use is exactly that. You know, to to supplement what what we've got going on. Uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're looking to potentially supplement a, a huge variety of, of, of nutrients. There really is a supplement for pretty much everything nowadays. Today, yeah. we're looking at sort of some, some sort of health subs, some kind of more performance and results-based ba stuff when it comes to kind of building muscle and stuff. Um, but really, the main reason why we're using these is kind of to cover any little gaps that we may sort of be missing with, with our intake, uh, as well as sort of kind of a, an insurance policy. Uh, ben, I don't know if there's anything you sort of want to add to, to kind of all that around sort of supplement use in general, and then we'll sort of uh, head into things, really. Yeah. So as you said, it is in the name supplement. It's to supplement your current nutrition, your current training. That's it. That's all supplements should be used for. And again, remembering that is key because then you realize it's the small stuff. The supplements are the stuff that might make the... 5% difference at most if everything else is in place first. As you said, as you said, it's there for an insurance policy or to possibly fill in gaps or as a possible ergogenic aid, which essentially means something that aids in performance. Mm -hmm. That's it. There is no reason why supplements should be your base or, you know, you shouldn't be that person that spends a couple hundred pounds on supplements every single month. Because if you are, unfortunately, I'm going to say straight off the bat, you, you're probably wasting your money. So that again, that should just, you know, I think one of the main themes I want to get across from this video is actually, if anything, is to discourage you from taking supplements. Because again, it's that mindset of, oh, well, what's the newest supplement? What does my favorite influencer say I should take? And, you know, going down that route, going down that mindset can often influence you towards making supplements, you know, again, this this prime base when, again, it should be your lifestyle, your training, your nutrition, and then after all that's in place, then you can consider taking a couple of supplements. But again, uh, there are only really a few supplements which truly do work. Um, and it, that's, again, that's important to remember because, you know, sometimes it's not enough to say, okay, well, this certain supplement does 
this thing? Because in theory, that might sound great. But again, you have to ask yourself, what does that actually mean in real life? If the answer is nothing or doesn't do much, then it's probably not worth your time either. So again, there are very few supplements which actually do what they say in the tin and actually have, you know, affect real world results. So again, I think the, the main point of this video is just to cover stuff you can use, maybe stuff you should avoid, but really just understanding that supplements are only there when you've got everything else in place. And even then they'll only make a small difference. So is it worth the cost? Maybe, maybe not. Again, that's something for you to decide for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think that probably, you know, does sort of sum up really sort of the, the, the general points that we want to get across in this video and looking at supplementation yeah. as a whole. Um, I guess a, a, a quick couple of points before we actually then get into, into supplements, really. Oops. Um, point number one, uh, I'm not a medical professional. Ben is still a couple of months away from being a medical professional. So anything we say on here is purely for, uh, you know, in, information and, and entertainment purposes. Please consult your medical professional before implementing any advice on this video, especially, you know, because we will be delving into kind of a, a lot more sort of health related topics in here so uh you know a lot of you know as you'll probably see when we start talking about these supplements you know context is is really you know to be yeah. so, something important here a lot of the, the stuff that we'll talk about is sort of gray areas around these supplements that are, you know especially when it comes to health there's a lot of things that aren't really absolute or black and white so uh, make sure to consult the relevant medical professional before implementing any advice in this video or, or audio i guess if you're listening to it on, in that sort of medium um, but yeah, so I think a good sort of starting point. Oh yeah. And we're probably going to be sharing our screens in a minute. So if you are listening to this on Spotify, then I'd highly encourage you to watch it on YouTube instead. Uh, you'll probably mm -hmm. get a little more out of it that way because you'll be able to see what we're up to sharing our screens, but, uh, yeah, we'll still, we'll still try to talk about it in a way in which yeah. you can listen to, Yeah. but you probably get a little bit more out of it if you watch it on YouTube for this episode. Yeah. If you want to sort of see like the ingredient panels and really see what we are, sort of referring to when we look at some of these products and stuff that we want to consider then yeah um but kind of stemming off that i think a, a really good place to kind of start on you know supplements and fundamentals and you know stuff that we may be looking at more sort of early down the line uh you know of our you know respective you know weight training whether that be sort of bodybuilding or powerlifting or anything sort of journeys is a uh, quality of supplements because Mm -hmm. I think uh, sort of going back to the whole idea of wasting your money and something on paper versus something in practice being uh, mm -hmm. a little different is first and foremost, the, the quality of your supplements. I feel like this is probably a little bit more important, especially on the health side of things, because this is where we can actually start to see some sort of detrimental impacts to one's health, you know, when potentially being a bit more negligent of the, the quality of supplement that you're using. And we'll mm -hmm. get into kind of a, a few ways in which that's really relevant in, in a little bit when we start to look at uh, vitamins and stuff like omega-3s. Um, still will be, you know, Im important when it comes to other supplements and we'll touch on stuff like protein powder and digestion and stuff. But, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to your health and well-being, when we're looking at the health supplements in particular, uh, first and foremost, find good quality subs, you know, read the ingredient panels, ensure that it's actually what you want out of a sup you've done your research and you know exactly what you intend to get from taking that supplement and you know that you've actually got a supplement or potentially form of that supplement that is actually going to affect you in the way that you want because there are mm -hmm. some some real little caveats when it comes to to supplementation so 
Uh, now will probably be a, a good time to sh start sharing my screen and we'll probably go into uh, multivits first. I think that's probably a yeah. good one to start off with. Yeah. So uh, let me sort that out. Cool. That should be, that should be coming up now. Yeah. If you yeah. scroll down a little bit, I don't know if, uh, yeah, we go. So as you can see on, on your screen uh, or the screen that's been shared, on a site called Supplement Needs. And first of all, I just want to say that should tell you where we're gonna recommend you get most of your supplements from. Supplement Needs, uh, their own specific brand is absolutely fantastic and it is of the highest quality. Mm -hmm. I pretty much wouldn't recommend anyone else. There are, there are a few that are still good, but my absolute go-to is Supplement Needs. It's, it's truly fantastic. And you know they have, like us, they consider, especially with you know, Dr. Dean doing a lot of the formulations, they consider a lot more than just you know uh well this does this let's whack it in they actually consider you know context and how different forms of vitamins and minerals or different forms of the same supplement or you know etc they put a lot of thought into it is the point i'm trying to make it and so the quality is very very high it's well dosed um yeah good products very good products yeah indeed um i think a, a multivit is something that a lot of people could could benefit from, uh, I guess, actually quickly, uh, another disclaimer is Ben and I aren't sponsored by anyone. So we are just genuinely giving you our recommendations of what we use and yeah. what we sort of recommend in terms of good quality supplements and stuff. So yeah. no affiliation. This is purely actually what we use and what we recommend our clients use in many cases. And uh -huh. yeah, so I think a, a multivit is something that a lot of people could benefit from. Obviously, you know, when when we're talking about supplements, obviously we've, we've mentioned prior, of course, that it is just to supplement your nutrition. So really, you know, you are going to get a lot more benefit out of, you know, eating sufficient fruit and veg, trying to get in your, your vitamins and, and minerals through kind of your, your, your diet. Um, yep. but, um, with that being said, there are also, you know, foods, which people may not necessarily like foods, um, you know, things, th things like fish thing. Uh, well, that more so when we get to kind of the omega threes, obviously, uh, things yeah. like uh, organ meats when it comes to certain B vitamins, things like uh, some people just aren't even huge veg fans. And I mean, to, be, to, to a degree, there, there is a, an element to say, suck it up and eat your fruit and veg. Um, <laughs> but we, we can appreciate that sometimes not every base can, can be covered by, by diet. So again, more so for that sort of insurance policy uh, type of concept, uh, a lot of people could benefit from a good quality multivit. And I think one yeah. of the good points to, to start off on when it comes to quality of multivits is perhaps comparing this uh, to something like your average multivit on the on the high street, because I think a lot of people sort of go into Holland and Barrett think, yeah, I'm going to be healthy and start taking a, yeah. a, a multivit and they are, aren't actually paying attention to what's in said multivit. So if we uh -huh. look at something like the, the, the label on the supplement needs multivit, what you'll notice is that for all these vitamins, You've got these little brackets next to the, the respective vitamins. And these are basically the, the active forms or methylated forms of these vitamins, which basically is the, the much more absorbable version, um, which is going to, you know, actually benefit you in the way that you want. Uh, something like your, your you know, cheaper uh, or more affordable, I guess I should say, uh, multivits uh, are a little less likely to kind of have all these active versions of, of vitamins in and you may potentially actually have some some trouble absorbing them uh, properly if that is the case so if you are looking to supplement your vitamin intake then quality of multivit should really be considered yeah um so 
I, I don't have control of the mouse here, so just letting you know that. So I can't really point to things necessarily, but uh, I'm going to cover major FAQ I always get first, which when, when I recommend this product, which is why is the, especially the B vitamin so heavily dosed? If you look at like, say the, the B12, 20,000% of the RDI, which seems like a lot. And obviously it is, but the reason they've done that is say, well, I, I can't speak for them. So I don't know if this is the reason, but the reason I assume they've done that essentially is because B vitamins are what you call water soluble. So anything you don't need, you can excrete out through your urine essentially. Um, so obviously if they set the, um, the dosages in the product high enough, it means just that everyone's base is, is covered. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're going to get the amount you need and then what you don't need, you can excrete out. Um, so that isn't really a worry. So don't, you know, it's not like, um, because of that, essentially, it's not like it's going to be toxic and possibly do some damage. You can fortunately just very easily excrete it out. So that's another thing actually is if you take this multivitamin and go to pee and notice your pee is a little bit sort of greenish, yellowish, then chances are it's because you are excreting out some of these B vitamins. So don't worry about that. That's, um, that's the first thing I want to cover. Next thing is, as you can see, it is a fantastic panel. As Kev said, a lot of these are in the active forms and their methylated forms, which is good. Really good sign of a quality product. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, again, uh, uh, you kind of said before, you know, someone thinks, so oh, I'm going to walk to a local Holland Barrett and buy multivitamin and I'm going to be super healthy, which, again, that's the mindset I want to shift people away from. Because again, even though this can help to cover gaps, help to cover or be an insurance policy, again, beavermans, like I said, typically are found more so in organ meats or eggs or some leafy greens as well, like folate and spinach and stuff. You know, take an egg, for example, that's what I would consider nature's multivitamin, except what you're getting with something like an egg that you're not going to get with a multivitamin. And I kind of covered this in the funder, uh, uh, fundamentals of nutrition video yeah, yeah, yeah. is something like an egg though you're not going to get something like choline which is a uh, going to help with your levels of acetylcholine in the brain which is a neurotransmitter so if you you know said well i've got this multivitamin so i don't need to eat eggs anymore for example just an example you're going to be missing out straight away on something like choline and that's just one example so again this is why i'm trying to shift this mindset away from just taking a multivitamin and thinking you're done because again, you're missing a lot of these other factors. Um, and so, yes, a multivitamin should be there anyway. You can still take a multivitamin and you still eat your eggs. But I think that's the main thing is prioritize that food first. Because typically, nature doesn't get it wrong. It has the right amounts of uh, nutrients in and the right ratios of those nutrients. Whereas when we try to recreate that with something like a you know, like multivitamin, chances are we are going to get it wrong. We're not going to get it completely right. Um, and so, again, food first, and then as, you know, cover those bases, then, um, you know, you can use a multivitamin. And, you know, Kev, you said it before as well, like, what happens if, you know, you just don't like that food? Well, learn to implement that food. First of all, pick the foods that you do like, because I'm sure there's still going to be plenty that do cover a range of nutrients that you do like. And after that, just, you know, learn to implement those foods in a way that you like, learn to cook. If you learn to cook, yeah, you're yeah. going to be more likely to enjoy the foods. You know, I don't particularly like organ meats, but something like liver, what I'll do is I'll just put it in with my steak mints and sort of, it just mixes in there. I don't really notice it that much. You know, it's just sneaky little tricks like that you can do to implement more 
of these nutrient-dense foods to you know get the range of nutrients that you need uh, is just a, a better option. So yes, again, the supplements, it's there, it's a good supplement, but it still misses a lot. And like I say, you know, it's probably not right in like I say, in, in the sense that in the sense that you know we can't be sure it has the right ratios or just whatever, you know. Um, so again, as a safety precaution, food is going to be better, that's for sure. Um so you know, there's other considerations though when we're looking at you know a multivitamin such as this. So again, not getting too much into it, but like say most multivitamins are going to have zinc in, that's for sure. But not what they don't all have is something like iron. And I've just realized I think this is the old formula because it's missing a few things. I'm sure it is. I don't think it just must not be there, must not update on the website, but um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the uh, the old formula. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe right, try click on the um the 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 two the that the one on the left that one yeah. See if it go down to the, that one. See if that one's updated. No, I was, and then this is the old formula because I know it has iron in it, and but again, this is important to remember because something like zinc will deplete iron. So if you, you know, you're taking a multivitamin that doesn't have an iron in, but typically does have zinc in, then over time you can start to deplete your stores of iron. Obviously that's going to be problematic. So again, simple considerations like that and multivitamin are really important. Again, this is why I say like, you know, nature doesn't get it wrong because typically, you know, you're going to find the, the nutrients that you need with the right ratios that you need. And so again, you don't have these problems. So again, that's just a real life example of how, how food, you should put your food first. Now, uh, another example would be, again, you know, looking at multivitamin, well, you could say, well, as I said in a fundamental nutrition video, you're not going to get something like fiber or polyphenols or phytonutrients. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah, could go, right. well, okay, I'll put in a green product. Yeah, yeah. And that might sound all well and good. But again, this is an example of like, well, it, a certain product might say it does something, but what does that actually mean in real life? Unfortunately, we do have studies. Can't remember who did these studies, so I apologize for that. But we'll, we'll um, link it below, which basically showed that those who used greens powders actually it was typically worse for your health because, again, the you know it was very high in antioxidants, which you know you wouldn't actually find that the body doesn't actually want, and so it actually had worse outcomes on your health. So again, that's an example of how a supplement might sound good, but in real life, what does it mean? Well. If it's negative, then obviously you don't want to take it. So it might, again, you know, it might sound like that greens product is your answer if you don't want to eat a lot of veg. But as I've said, as I've made clear, it probably isn't. So again, yeah. these are just other considerations you need to make. And here's one of the things actually worth, uh, you know, mentioning because this actually links well to the sup, uh, the multivit side of things. So very popular greens product here. Um, you're gonna upset some people here like i i am but it's 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 got to be done it's got to be done um if it, again you know if you're not if you're not watching on 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 youtube then um uh, maybe maybe it's not worth just straight up calling out the the the, the brand and stuff mm. but if well, you are, i mean if, you are if you're watching youtube probably, you can see yeah you can see anyway but the main the main thing is uh you know popular greens powder here's the ingredient panel a couple of things to touch on 
is, you know, as Ben, you know, right, rightly said, um, you know, something, something like a greens powder may not be the best kind of go-to in terms of subs anyway. Uh, but even then, you know, sometimes people do do go down that train of thought, well, oh, you know, I can't get this from a multivit, so I'll use a, a greens powder instead. And that's where they will kind of come across these, you know, bigger brand names, which are still, you know, quite reputable, I guess you could say. Um, but, you know, again, looking at the looking at the ingredient panel, not really mention of uh, active active uh, forms of uh, a, a lot of these ingredients. So you can just sort of ask yourself, uh, is a lot of this even going to really be useful in terms of kind of absorption and stuff? Yeah, really, really easy example there is the folic acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The active form is folate, uh, but folic acid is the synthetic form, which again has to go through like the methylation process and to be used essentially, but you know, if that doesn't, if that's, if you, if, you know, a lot of people actually do have a hard time being able to methylate properly. Um, it's what you call uh, polymorphism, which is essentially just a, a genetic default in a lot of people um, or across the population. If you, if you can't, you don't have the probability to methylate, then you're going to get this synthetic form of folic acid, which is still going to take up the receptor to the actual folate, which you would get again, really from food, something like spinach isn't going to be able to get into the receptor and therefore do its job. So that's just a really clear example right there. Yeah. So, yeah, as you know, as, as we've sort of been trying to, to hammer across the whole time, real food, certainly probably a better sort of direction than, than supplements anyway. But if you do choose to kind of go down these supplements again, more, more so on the, the health side of things, uh, you know, bear in mind what you're actually taking, what the intended outcome of it is, and if what you're taking is actually going to achieve that intended outcome, do do your research on the stuff that you intend to, to put into your body, rather important. Um, I think a good one to move on to from multivits, maybe kind of staying on the health side of things for a bit, is uh, maybe kind of another good example of quality of supplements, which is something like uh, omega-3s. Uh, mm -hmm. That's probably a good one to, to jump into there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know which tab it was, was it? Yeah, that one. Um, that's the yeah, that's that's uh good that's that's the okay one it's still decent but you should find the uh, omega pro that's better um i'll see if i can it's possible they don't have it on their website it's maybe only on like they, they do have it on their oh, website oh brilliant uh, I, I know i know trust me i know <laughs> Yeah, so uh, omega omega three is obviously you know uh, you know important fat, fatty acid uh, obviously you know, essential fatty acid essential fatty acid you know important important for our health um but uh, one one conversation which ben and i had not too long ago was kind of the idea of you know omega-3s being able to kind of go rancid and and convert to omega-6s and the potential kind of health implications that that, that can have i can't remember actually if this one yeah awesome so um wait hang on uh yeah, I think I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly what what I, I read about uh, omega threes because I think there was something about how a lot of uh, again sort of you know high street brands you know cheaper omega threes don't actually have like you know all the different you know types of omega threes in there. And well, they typically don't have DPA in. That's pretty typical, right? Um, but, but I think I think I remember reading how like um, you know. Your, your body actually doesn't really kind of convert um, 
well it like certain omega-3s into like other other types it doesn't really convert them well so it is actually important to actually you know intake sufficient amounts of all all types of omega-3s um so i can't i can't uh, i can't remember exactly exactly where it was i might have to kind of uh, link some stuff in the description for that one but same same kind of deal this is a, a pretty solid uh, omega omega-3 product probably the one that we recommend very well dosed. So the main thing when it comes to kind of omega-3 is again the idea of you know good quality ones are probably not uh, as likely to sort of go rancid and, and turn into omega-6s ben you maybe want to kind of uh, take that one on a little further um, yeah so this first of all this product is very very well dosed um so yeah um omega-3s can oxidize and go rancid and turn into omega-6s omega-9s uh which isn't good uh, because you, although you do want to be omega sixes, omega nines within your nutritional intake, um, typically people get a lot of them from a lot of you know, processed food. Um, so it's pretty high in people's diets anyway. So what you want is a nice balance between omega three, omega six, omega nine. Um, but obviously, again, if your omega three is going rancid and oxidizing into omega six, then you're just adding to this higher intake of omega six and not getting the omega three that you want. So again, that's why quality matters. Now, omega-6, again, in these high doses, an out of ratio to omega-3 is going to be pro-inflammatory, which, again, a bit of a buzzword, but in this context, that is not a good thing. Now, a really, really easy way to tell if a um, omega-3 fish oil or whatever type of oil has gone rancid is if you take it and your burps taste fishy, then it's gone off. It's gone rancid. Um, so that's just a really easy sign. It shouldn't, I know it sounds like it should, you know, you're taking a fish oil, you would expect a fishy burp. That's actually a sign it's gone rancid. So it shouldn't. Um, so, you know, in terms of, it could go rancid like getting to you, but in terms of storage, just keep it away from heat and keep it out of direct sunlight. And that should, you know, help to ensure that it doesn't go off. Um, I didn't learn that the hard way, but I know my parents learned that the hard way. They kept they had a, they have a cupboard above the oven, and they kept their fish oils above there, and they went completely rancid. So, yeah, keep your fish oils away from heat. That's um, you would think that would be common sense, but yeah, just uh, make sure that you do that. Um, yeah. So, omega threes though, same same deal. You know, through get them through food first, get them through your fish first, because again what you are not getting from a, an omega-3 supplement that you are gonna get from fish is quite a bit. Um, as an example, uh, an antioxidant such as axanthin is something you will get through fish that you won't get through uh, an omega-3. So again, you know, supplements are great. They can be useful to cover basis. If you don't eat a lot of fish, then maybe you want to supplement with an omega-3. But just again, you remember, you're gonna miss out on a lot that you'll get with actual food that you're not gonna get with an omega-3 product. Now, what's cool about omega-3s, though, is, again, if you're someone that's eating a lot of fish, probably a good idea, but, again, I encourage you to do fish. Um, again, obviously very important for health and they're essential fatty acid, but what's even cooler is there are some mixed studies, but recently more studies have shown that uh, omega-3 is actually an ergogenic aid as well, so something that helps you to perform better. So even if you do eat a lot of fish, there's actually been some good research to show that still taking an extra omega-3 on top might actually have some benefits too. So yeah, uh, if you're going to go down the supplements route, then omega-3 is probably going to be one of your, probably a good idea to be one of your base supplements. But again, still eat the fish on top as well.
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think maybe a good kind of segue is probably to finish up sort of the the other sort of health subs first. Um, I think another another good oh yeah another a good practical one to to touch on is oh dear oh no can I move this yeah I can. <laughs> um, yeah, I think another good one to touch on is a uh, curcumin because I was having a, a conversation with someone about this the other day. Um, again, sort of the idea of you know quality of your supplements, ensuring that it is exactly what you want to do the to do the job that you're actually intending it to do. So curcumin, I uh, think probably most most popular. Um, may I appreciate it may not kind of sound like fundamentals of supplementation, but I think especially because a, a few kind of uh, big names in the industry talk about it. I think uh, a lot of people do kind of start taking it potentially sort of prematurely because uh, it, it, you know, the benefits of it sound good, you know, sort of the anti-inflammatory properties and stuff like that. Um, you know, potentially helping with things like DOMS, potentially, you know, joint pain and stuff like that. A lot of people I think are, are starting to jump on the, on the curcumin train. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think what is worth noting is that again, sort of the idea of the, the quality of, of supplement, because again, as can be seen here um where was it a lot of people will probably just go to somewhere like holland and barrett or something and buy some sort of just curcumin just plain old curcumin which is obviously the active ingredient in in turmeric um but i'm trying to remember where, where is it um yeah ingesting curcumin by itself does not lead to the associated health benefits due to its poor bioavailability um, so then, you know, even if people are sort of digging into, into the research like this a bit, then they might sort of consider something like, you know, black pepper extract mixed with curcumin to improve its bioavailability and absorption. Um, At 2000%. You, 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 you mentioned this to me the other day, Ben, when we were talking about this, that obviously, you know, black pepper, while, you know, helping, helping kind of shuttle things into the, into the cell, which is obviously, you know, what we'd want in terms of, you know, improving the, the absorption of curcumin, obviously then potentially kind of has a, a you know, detrimental impact in, in terms of kind of affecting the, the detox pathways and, and stuff like that. So just yeah. another sort of real life example of, you know, consider what you're taking, even if you do start, of, start reading a bit more into these things and you do sort of see stuff like, oh, well, you know, curcumin on its own isn't really going to be that absorbable. Oh, let's try taking it with some black pepper extract as well. Uh, you know, potentially not quite as straightforward as that. Yeah, because black pepper is both good and bad because it does its job. It does what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, it helps to pull things into the cell, which again, is good. In, in examples of curcumin, it's good. Problem is, is it pulls things into the cell and it keeps it there, which again, for something like, you know, um, your detoxification, yes, you want things to go into the cell, but they also need to come out as well. So if you've got something that's keeping it in the cell, you can see how it's going to cause a bit of a, you know, inflammatory cascades and stuff like that. Obviously, we're not saying, you know, if you take black pepper, you're going to kill yourself because you can't detox properly. No, obviously not. But what you are doing is you're just putting a bit more stress onto your body, causing a bit more inflammation, you know, stuff that isn't really ideal um, and that could potentially have negative health effects again realistically is it what does that mean in real life is it going to kill you no but it's just something to consider yeah especially sure. when there are there are other forms of, of curcumin which you could take now again curcumin isn't what something that i would consider a base supplement so it's not something that you know 
pretty much everyone should use straight away. Um, but yeah, you know, it's important to bring up because like you say, it has been pushed quite a bit at the minute. But, you know, for example, you said, you know, it, it can help with DOMS, which it can. It can help with joint pain, which it can. But the first place I wouldn't look is the supplement. The first place I would look is, is, is that, well, the first place I look at your you training, yeah. 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 You know, if you're all getting severe DOMS and, pure, and bad joint pain, then look at your training. That's probably where you're going wrong. Look at that because that's probably going to be the root cause. Your movement patterns, your volume, whatever, you know, look at your training. That's where you need to address first. And then if, you know, things are correct, then maybe, maybe it's a good idea to put in curcumin. Maybe not. Again, can't say it again. <laughs> it is individual context so it's yeah. we can't make we can make general recommendations but we can't make you know specific recommendations to be fair but yeah the first place i'd look for that in this example is your training yeah for sure for sure definitely and even even when we kind of uh, go into things like bcaas and eaas and stuff that that'll be a, another one to consider sort of you know your, your first point of call shouldn't just be to throw these supplements in because of their benefits it should be you know how how else can I actually you know really address the the elephant in the room really? Mm-hmm. But as, as mentioned, it's not like this was a, a good one to, to bring up because it is it is one that's uh, pushed a little more heavily at the moment, and there is a, a little more to it than potentially meets the eye. So in terms of practical application, uh, felt like it was a, a good one to to quickly touch on. Um, I think that probably. Um, well, I I think I think before. I think because we've covered sort of, again, these foundational base supplements, I think the next and last one to cover would be creatine first because I would consider that within the same bracket. In fact, I would consider creatine to be the one supplement I can confidently recommend to everyone without even knowing who you are because very, very well researched. In fact, it's the most researched supplement out there and it has such a multitude of benefits that it doesn't matter what you're looking for, you'll probably get that benefit. Yes. So it has benefits to cognition, to your energy, uh, to hydration, to performance, to strength, to power. Um, it's even been shown that if you have poor sleep, poor sleep quality, it can negate some of those effects. Um, something else as well, there's that many, not many benefits. I can't even remember, Charles Tavir, so... Creatine is one of, and the best form is one hydrate because it uh, saturates the muscle 100%. So you will see claims from other forms of creatine, which try to make them sound superior, like it has better muscle saturation, which is obviously you can't get better than 100%. So that's not true. Uh, better, there'll be less water retention. It's like, well, actually, no, that's, you want creatine to do that because the, the water retention is intracellular so, or intramuscular. So it pulls that water into the muscle cell, which is exactly where you want it. So, you know, the, you're not going to get a better form than creatine monohydrate, despite the fact you will see claims. Don't fall for these marketing claims because you do, will not get a better form. It's also the cheapest, which is, again, it's just, I don't think there's a downside to taking creatine or, it also helps with, again, what I mentioned earlier, it helps with this methylation process. And I said earlier, yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of people don't have the ability to properly methylate. So again, creatine is going to be useful there. So many wonderful benefits. So many. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, very, very heavily researched. Uh, you know, the literature seems quite, quite in favor of its effectiveness, you know, in this, in this meta-analysis of the 300 studies that, that they were looking at, about 70% of those studies reported statistically significant results. When it comes to sort of the, uh, you know, when we're looking at the ergogenic value of, of creatine. So, yeah, especially considering that it really is dirt cheap. It seems like it is, you know, pretty, 
pretty safe to say that it's an effective supplement. I think this is probably one that we can definitely sort of give the give the the you know check to you know. Yeah, it's, say, it's not magic, but it is wonderful. Yeah, so sure. do use it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, oh, actually, very quickly, there was another another thing that I've just remembered because I've just seen something within there. I don't think it even talks about in there, but I've just reminded me anyway. So there was a good study. Um, I can't remember who by it might have been Bill Campbell, Dr. Bill Campbell. I can't remember. But basically, it looked at uh, creatine in older adults who were going for fat loss. And those who took creatine actually had more fat loss in older adults. The exact mechanism isn't known yet, but the theory is that because it helps with muscle mass retention, obviously, you know, if muscle mass retention is uh, higher, then you can have a slightly faster metabolic rate. Mm -hmm. And that's possibly why, but the exact mechanism exact mechanism isn't still yet known so it's potential it could be something else that's even cooler don't know but main point is there in older adults those who took creatine had slightly better fat loss so yeah cool cool yeah i think uh what's what's worth mentioning about about creatine is uh, i think one sort of uh one sort of misconception out there is that creatine is you know going to directly contribute towards towards muscle gain um, which I think uh, you know a lot I, I think this is where kind of the meme gets thrown about that uh, you know a lot of people in the beginning think that creatine is almost like a steroid <laughs> um but obviously you know creatine is just important in sort of your energy pathways so you know that may have a, a decent benefit towards performance and sort of which one you know, as a which result one? of that that performance is <laughs> i'll get to that and sort of as, a result, as a result of that you know that performance then may kind of lead to, to better muscle gain but obviously creatine is just important in 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 terms of energy pathways not the glycolysis pathways some people might believe um and that's well, all the benefit to, to be fair may serve you better to be fair i think maybe the confusion could come in from the fact that obviously like say creatine helps pull uh, water into the muscle cell and so in doing that it helps with carbohydrates get shuttled into the muscle cell as well yeah. so maybe that's where the confusions come from possibly not sure but yeah it's part of the uh phosphogen system or the creatine phosphate energy system not the glycotic systems. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that kind of uh, is a is a good sort of uh, quick wrap on 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 creatine. We we definitely give this one the the go ahead. Pretty pretty solid supplements. I think a lot of people yeah. know by now. But you know, again, just to even just sort of a look at the literature. You know, definitely supports its use. Cheap. Why not? Um, use it. Yeah, maybe that's a, a good one. Sort of. You mentioned potentially kind of. Uh, impacts on on sleep so i guess maybe that kind of leads on well nicely to this bad boy the infamous sleep stack again from supplement needs not too much to sort of go into on this one just one i wanted to kind of uh, draw attention to because again goes back to sort of the idea of covering your bases before actually looking into supplementation i think this is one that'll crop up a lot when it comes to improving sleep but again there are a million things you can you can do to improve your sleep before even considering supplementation uh, we did a you know a whole video on fundamentals of lifestyle, so be sure to watch or listen to that. Um, mm -hmm. But for kind of reference to what I was talking about in regards to sort of sleep pathways in 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 the in that video, when we look at a yeah oh, oh, oh okay well yeah when it when it comes to sort of uh, dosing and stuff in in something like sleep stack and and the ingredients. We've obviously got uh, something like 5-HTP, which is a precursor to serotonin, which is then converted to melatonin. We've got uh, 
B5 consideration though. The, the cofactor in the conversion of, of 5-HTP to serotonin and P5P, which is the active form of uh, B6, which is the cofactor in the conversion of serotonin to melatonin, um, I believe. Consideration though, if you take an SSRI, then oh, yeah, do one. not yeah, take 5-HTP. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because... Realistically, can you cause a serotonin storm, which is just too much serotonin? Mm, mm, probably not. But one thing, and again, we'll talk about this with the BCAs, if you fuck with one neurotransmitter, you fuck with them all. So it's probably not a good idea to you know produce too much serotonin because it's going to throw everything else out of whack as well. So if you take an SSRI, which is an antidepressant, then do not take 5-HTP. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I don't know if it actually says it on the, on the front here, but I think it does actually say somewhere on the, on the container, don't, don't take if you're on stuff like antidepressants and stuff. So yeah, they do. I do, I do think they throw that, that caveat. I think in the, in Dean's video kind of running through it, he does, he does mention that as well. Um, and I think they actually do a version that is five uh, HTP free as well. So uh, yeah, the, I, I believe so. I think I think I've heard Dean mention that. Um, I haven't seen that before. Um, maybe not. I definitely. I think I heard uh, Dean mention it once, but I, I could be. Maybe maybe they discontinued it or something. I don't know. No, I've never seen it before. I think they definitely did at one point. Dean uh, Dean said that that they did. Um, but yeah, um, anyway, the main, main reason I wanted to kind of draw reference to this one was again, sort of the idea of, you know, understanding how, how these supplements actually work in the, in the way that you would want understanding what they do to your body. And then also understanding that, you know, if you are taking something like this, but you're not looking after something like your sleep hygiene, then, you know, good, good luck actually sorting out the problems. So, yeah, um, I think we'll probably come to something like AM priming later if we touch on, uh, stuff like adaptogens but maybe maybe this is a good one to actually no i guess we can get this one get this one out of the way uh, as well maybe uh, so adaptogens are you know basically stuff that uh, will help your your body deal with stress um one one that's kind of important to understand is there are many different types of adaptogens that you can get and you should sort of bear in mind what you are taking because they can have sort of different effects on you but this is another good supplement by uh, supplement needs the AM priming stack, um, basically an adaptogen blend. Um, but again, kind of, you know, again, sort of the, the point that we've been trying to drive home this whole time, pay attention to your actual stress management protocols and then yeah. something like supplementation. Don't know if there's anything because you want to add to that one, Ben. An adaptogen stack, no matter how good it is, which this is fantastic, isn't going to do nothing if you don't have your lifestyle, your training, your nutrition in place first. Again, as you said, that is the key theme of this whole video is this is the last resort stuff. This is the stuff that will make the 5% difference when you've got everything else in place first. So ashwagandha is such a popular one to really up and coming these past few years. Those people just hop on some ashwagandha and that's it. It's not going to do anything. It's not. Mm -hmm. So have your lifestyle uh, stress management factors in place first. Look at your training, consider that as a stress and how that impacts stress management. Look at your nutrition and how that impacts stress management. And then once all that's ticked off, yeah, then then maybe it's worth considering putting something like this in first or last, I should say. Um, but yeah, it is a good product. 
but it shouldn't be your go-to for stress management. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think you actually like sent me a meme once or something with like a massive uh, crack in the wall and like a little bit yeah. of over it and it's like stress management and ashwagandha. Um, I made that myself. Yeah, I haven't posted yeah. it, but I made it myself. Mm-hmm. Proud of that one. Yeah, that, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, but you know, I so need to post it somewhere. Exactly what I, I need to post it at some point. Yeah, you, you should. You should definitely should. Uh, another consideration that's important for these is some of these ingredients actually sort of can have more stimulatory effects as well. So uh, again, don't by, by no stretch should you be kind of relying on, on adaptogens for, for the sake of stress management. Uh, but again, just more so ones kind of draw reference to and again, get the idea of, across of cover your bases first. I guess this is where we can maybe sort of get into the into the fun stuff and get more into sort of the uh, oopsie. Where we can, is this thing gonna? Oh. It wants to give you free gifts, apparently. Yeah, and um, this this is where maybe now we can actually get into the stuff that people probably thought they were coming here for, which is more sort of, uh, you know, bodybuilding supplementation, the the stuff that kind of is looked at more so for the sake of performance and gaining muscle as opposed to, um, you know, more just sort of general health related topics, and probably the 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 real kind of easy one to to dive into there, even though we have obviously already touched on creatine is something like a protein powder. And funnily enough, Ben and I were having this conversation yesterday. So I've actually made a bit of a 180 on my original thought. And my original thought was some supplements shouldn't even be viewed as supplements. They should be viewed as foods. Um, Because for example, a little while back, I was scrolling through Instagram and someone was talking about what supplements they take. And they were on about how they're, they're taking cream of rice. And I thought, that, that's that's no more of a supplement than than a bowl of oats <laughs> yeah it's just um, yeah and and i did feel the same way about about something like whey because i just always thought you know something that you know almost like a any other sort of feeding or, or meal but then you know ben you you correctly brought up the point of you know as a as a supplement it's that kind of you know helps supplement the the protein, the intake. protein intake and a yeah. lot of people do certainly become reliant on on something like whey or any protein powder to sort of meet their their, their protein targets yeah um, and like actually, this this is something that's you know particularly prevalent in in the online fitness community because i think you see a lot of like influencers and stuff do their you know realistic days of eating and i've always kind of joked about this and said i think some influencers do realistic days of eating not to not to actually you know try and make it more relatable to their audience but actually more so just to hide the fact that they actually don't know anything about what they're doing in terms of nutrition and, and they actually do just live off stuff like protein bars and, and, and protein powder to actually get their, their protein intake. Yeah. Um, and uh, that is a problem because again, it comes down to this mindset and this viewpoint, like you might not think, does it really matter if I call whey protein supplement or a food, does that really matter? And the answer is yes, because Again, it's the way then you view it. If you call it a supplement, you'll view it as a supplement that just helps to supplement your protein intake. If you view it as a food, you might see it as a go-to source for the majority of your protein intake. And that creates a big, big difference, and it shouldn't be. So, um, yeah, what you call it does matter. Um, And this is a point I've always trying to make about, like, your relationship with food, how you talk about food, uh, but how you talk about things in general, it does matter because it makes a difference to your perspective and your viewpoint. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, in that case, I think it's probably worth kind of, uh, you know, m- looking into why we may use protein powders, kind of types of protein powders and sort of considerations for for their use. So uh, 
I think one of the, the popular ones, again, you know, looking again at the idea of sort of quality and stuff. Um, this is this is perform way. This is kind of mine and Ben's go to certainly our favorite protein powder out there. Uh, the flavors sort of speak for themselves. There's a, a real kind of uh, array of flavors, and uh, most of the ones that I've tried are really, really nice. From from before, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend any of the chocolate based ones personally. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend them. Yeah. But some of the 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 like the vanilla, the salted caramel, the blueberry muffin, yeah, all very good. Yeah, all very good. Yeah, on, honestly, some of these are like insanely, insanely nice. Um, yeah, the the the. Yeah, the raspberry white chocolate one's quite nice. The vanilla creme one straight up tastes like vanilla ice cream. Uh, I haven't tried the salted caramel. I have tried the JP salted caramel, and that one was very nice. Uh, the only thing I'll say about the JP versus Perform way is Perform is a lot thicker. So potentially if you're, if you're dieting, you want something to fill you up a little more, then I'd assume the salted caramel will taste pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, I think it actually does create a much more thick shake and sort of texture. So... <laughs> Yeah, but this is sort of our, our go-to. Um, potentially a little more expensive than some of the other, you know, cheaper protein powders out there. Uh, but, you know, again, ingredients matter. The, your higher quality protein powders are, you know, potentially less likely to have, you know, random artificial sweeteners and, and stuff in there. Um, usually people find that better quality protein powders digest a little better with them. Uh, generally speaking, people, if, if you are finding that your, your way doesn't kind of sit well with you, then you may favor something like a, a vegan protein powder or potentially something like a whey isolate, um, yeah. as opposed to kind of a concentrate or blend or something. Um, another thing that matters like is beef protein and stuff as well. So there's all sorts out there. Yeah, that's a bit yeah, more frankly. of an issue for you. But another thing that matters, um, again, with typically with the cheaper brands, they've been discovered to do something called nitrogen spiking which is essentially to, it's in the name, it's essentially to increase the levels of nitrogen within the product because therefore they can label it as a higher protein intake when it actually isn't. So if something seems a bit too cheap, it's probably because it is. Yeah, yeah, you get, you get what you pay for. <laughs> um, in, in reality, this isn't even that expensive. You know, we were looking at something like 67 scoops, so nearly 70 scoops for... You know, 35 quid, you'll probably be able to find like a 10% discount. Uh, we're on the Load Up Subs website. Uh, they've got they've got some athletes that you can you know find like 10% discount codes and stuff from. Um, that yeah, Load Up do a, a lot of kind of the the good brands and stuff. Um, another good one's Insight Supplements. I think that one's obviously quite popular. Um, we're we're gonna give a shout out to you know the 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 local smaller businesses. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't even come out that expensive. Something like this, you're looking at something like less than 50p a scoop. So, you know, this versus, you know, even sort of the full price sort of bigger brands like, you know, MyProtein and stuff, when they're full price, they're probably not far off this. So just go for the, the good quality stuff, potentially save yourself some digestive issues. And yeah, I, I don't know if there's much much more to talk about on protein or if we're good to kind of... Well, other than the fact that, you can mix you can put it in your oats and put it in the microwave because it's not going to damage damage yeah, the protein yeah. or whatever yeah. it's not going to yeah it's not going to destroy the protein whatever crap you've heard or whatever so yeah <laughs> i haven't even heard that one before i didn't know that was being uh kind of thrown about out there but fair enough yeah fortunately uh, i guess that probably brings us on to probably the even sort of bigger one in the room which is a uh, pre-workout so 
Pre-workouts are, are, are a very interesting one, simply because I think most people shouldn't be really taking them and have no need to take them at all. I think, uh, again, when you sort of start getting into training, it becomes very exciting because you hear these, you know, these wonderful things about being, you know, hyped up off your head on pre um, but it, it really is just worth considering, you know, th these are, if you're looking at the good quality ones, these work out to be pretty expensive supplements. You're looking at about 20 servings of, you know, between, de depending on how much you, you take, obviously, whether you go half or full scoop, you're looking here at, you know, potentially only 20 servings of MV pre for nearly 40 quid. So expensive subs here, you know, you don't want to take the, the poor quality stuff. We'll touch on why in a minute when it actually sort of comes to performance and, you know, proper dosing of ingredients and stuff, you know, pre, uh, MV pre is probably sort of known as the, the, the good one right now. So it's a, a good one to sort of delve into, um, but, you know, expensive supplement, do you really need to be wasting, you know, something nearly like up to two pounds a scoop potentially to go dumbbell press the, the 10 kilo dumbbells or, or press two plates. I, I don't think so. So if you're, if you're newer to the gym, please just stick with something like coffee. Um, you know, Ben, Caffeine. you've made some good points recently about sort of the ideas of, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of cognition benefits of, of caffeine in lower dosages. Whereas, you know, a lot of people might only look at sort of the, the performance side of things when it, when it comes to sort of caffeine dosing, um, trying to find where, where all that is down here um oh yeah caffeine yeah so you're looking at 350 milligrams of caffeine in, in, a, in a scoop of mv pre and you know again do you really need that to to you know go dumbbell press those those 10 kilo dumbbells uh, or are you potentially just better sort of getting the cognition benefits of lower dose caffeine from something like coffee because again there's just really no point in a lot of people taking pre-workout yeah i mean caffeine or well, first of all coffee much much cheaper um, but caffeine is again very very well researched it's probably just as well researched as creatine is so it works it absolutely works now you do need quite a bit to actually get the physical performance benefits out of it but indirectly as you've mentioned you will be, with lower doses be able to get the cognition benefits out of it which is going to in turn then help them with performance. You know, if you, you have better focus and it also helps with better reaction time as well, then again, that's just going to translate into better performance anyway. So, and you know, if you look at that panel there, the only thing that you really do need is caffeine. Everything else is just might make a little difference, but probably isn't. Yeah. So again, they might sound good, but what does it actually mean in real life? And again, that's the question you have to ask. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think kind of the, the other the other point to get across with, with pre-workouts is stuff like the ingredient panel and proper dosing and stuff. Again, I think MVPs are pretty solid shout, but you know, with with again drawing attention to the fact that if you are looking at good pre's, these are potentially rather expensive supplements. Uh, everything here is in pretty, you know, solid amounts. I think uh, caffeine, you're you're looking at a, a an effective dose of uh, I think it was between three and six milligrams per per kilo body weight. What on earth is going on outside? Um, beta alanine 3200 milligrams so yeah you're looking at a, at a pretty good panel here even some stuff like sort of you know even the inclusion of something like glycopump uh, to improve kind of pump and blood flow and stuff you're looking yeah, at something so, like a pretty pretty solid pre-workout here uh, but again so before, reflected in the price so before you move on like so the beta alanine in that in this context you know it is well dosed 3.2 grams is the dose required but Beryl alanine is something that works over time. 
not one go. So if you're only taking pre-workout before like, you know, big leg day and that's the only bare alanine you're getting, it's not doing anything. In fact, if you feel the tingles from the bare alanine, that's a pretty good sign that actually it's not going to do anything. So bare alanine, something you need to dose every single day for a period of time between three to five grams every single day um, to actually get the effects. So again, it's something that doesn't work. It's not a an acute effect. It's a chronic effect. Um, and again, do you really need something like bare alanine unless you're an endurance athlete or going through maybe a metabolic phase? Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. Probably not. So again, well, you worth, know, worth, worth mentioning on that one what 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 beta alanine actually does. So yeah, so beta alanine essentially allows you to um, buffer the lactic lactic acid buildup yeah. that you get essentially when you lift. Um, so obviously, it means you can go a little bit harder for a little bit longer. But again, is that really relevant to strength or hypertrophy? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, if you're going through a metabolic phase, again, you might want to dose it for about a month before that metabolic phase and then through that metabolic phase as well. Or if you're an endurance athlete, then if you want to be able to get close to your lactic threshold and go a little bit faster, a little bit harder, again, it might be a good idea. But other than that, you probably don't need it. And like I say, if you are going to use it, make sure you dose it over time first. Yeah. Uh, comparing that to something like what is a, a very well-known pre-workout, the original uh, Cellucor C4. Um, again, uh, don't, I can't imagine. Yeah, you're looking, you're looking at a serving size of one scoop. And obviously, we've sort of touched on stuff like beta alanine and, and the idea of kind of loading that in the chronic effects anyway. But you're looking at literally half the beta alanine. And yeah, like it's underdosed. Um, yeah, so be, be careful. You know, just because someone says you know, this pre-workout is really good, blah, blah, blah. Uh, again, you know, bear, bear in mind what we're actually looking for in terms of performance benefits. And if you are actually getting really sold short in terms of uh, what you spend your money on, uh, yeah. if you are going to go down the pre-workout route, please actually, you know, build up to a, a decent level of strength to the point that a pre-workout is required. Um, a lot, a lot of people aren't even logging their lifts and, and taking pre-workout for what reason? I have no idea. Um, I, I think it really should pretty much come to a point where at a good level of strength, you kind of start looking at your logbook and thinking, how on earth am I meant to beat that today? <laughs> and that is when something like a pre-workout might actually come in handy for you. Um, but again, yeah, if you, if you like pressing two plates, please don't go waste, you know, potentially nearly 40 Maybe. pounds a month every 20 days. Because, yeah, because, you know, 40 pounds, 40 quid could be your food shop. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> you know don't go waste your money on pre-workout when you don't need to big time big time uh, i think that probably uh finishes up pre's quite nicely i think maybe it's worth finishing up on uh, intra workout supplements and then that's probably a good place to leave it yep let's do yeah, it cool. um so i guess you know a nice a nice kind of follow-on from pre-workout supplementation is now the idea of intra workout supplementation i guess that's probably worth starting with uh, protein powders little brother and one that is a you know a huge buzzword in the industry uh, something like bcaas or kind of amino acid powders in general because we'll obviously kind of throw in eaas as well yeah um a bit of a buzzword because a lot of people stand by the idea that you know amino acid powders are, uh, aren't really beneficial at all are completely useless because um, they sort of kind of go down the, the, the thought process of, well, you know, if you, you, you obviously get those amino acids through what you eat anyway. Um, so, you know, if you're having adequate intake of those, you, it's pretty much useless. To a degree, yeah, but I think it also isn't kind of touching on the real reason why we're using the, these products. You know, we're not necessarily looking to, you know, just bump up our, our amino acids 
for, for you know, just more sort of protein intake and hopefully that results in more muscle gain. The reason why we're sort of trying to use these, you know, more so, you know, intra-workout and stuff is to try and kind of mitigate muscle protein breakdown, which we're getting in our training and try to instead sort of favor muscle protein synthesis. I think the debate sort of comes into what degree that actually happens. Um, and I think more so than anything, really, the only real sort of benefit to something like BCAA use is potentially sort of limiting DOMS which, and, and sort of the, the sort of interactions that, that BCAAs can, can have in that regard. But then you also, I know Ben, you'll probably want to go into sort of the neurotransmitter side of things. So something like uh, BCAA use is, is very sort of, you know, context dependent. On the whole, obviously, EAAs, for, for those who don't know, are essential amino acids. They obviously contain the full spectrum of amino acids, including the BCAAs. So for most people, if you are going to go down that route of amino acid powders, EAAs are probably going to be the better choice anyway. Um, but again, you know, it's worth considering what we're trying to get out of these supplements. Uh, I've heard Steve Hall before mention on podcasts the idea of, well, you know, if we're trying to reduce, you know, the, the, the inflammation and, and, you know, MPB that we get from training, is that potentially going to have an impact on our signaling for hypertrophy? So does intra-workout EAAs even pose a benefit at all? Um, I think, I think really it's to kind of limit how, how far you bury yourself in training most more, more than anything. Uh, but I think sort of uh, amino acid powders are very sort of context dependent. Yeah. Uh, but then we could, you know, again, throw in the argument of like, well, if you don't want to bury yourself too much, then look at your training. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, to be fair, uh, I, I would definitely stand by the point of, you know, if your total daily protein intake is where it needs to be, then you don't need BCAs or EAs at all. Um, you just don't, especially, you know, the majority of people do not. Are there nuanced circumstances where maybe they'll be useful? Maybe like, you know, again, BCAs, have been shown to reduce DOMS. So maybe the, you know, the week before a competition, any sort of competition, whether that be bodybuilding, powerlifting, or just any sport, performance sport in general, maybe it'll be a good idea. But again, you know, that had actually hasn't been compared to EAs anyway. So maybe right. EAs would still be superior for that. So are BCAs a waste of money? Most likely, most likely. Mm-hmm. But here's the worst thing is BCAs, as you know, kind of touched on there, can also fuck with your neurotransmitters as well. Are you someone that sips on BCAs all day? And can you sleep? The answer is no. That's where you're going wrong. Because again, BCAs are very easily crossed to the blood-brain barrier and can affect your neurotransmitters, affect your uh, conversion of tryptophan to serotonin. Uh, therefore, you can't then convert that serotonin to melatonin and therefore to affect your sleep. So BCAs probably going to be more detrimental than they do have a benefit. So honestly, I would just not use them if I was you. Yeah, for sure. sure. EAs better. They are better. Um, But again, do you really need them if you're getting enough protein throughout the day? Probably not. Um, There is, again, like you say, there is the argument of, well, you know, you do want some muscle protein breakdown because, again, that provides a signal to grow. And you don't want to, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to dig yourself a trench. You just want to dig yourself a, a small hole. But again, you could just say, you know, rather than using EAs to stop that, you could just be like, well, let's just look at my training. Yeah. Let's just reduce the volume or reduce something to to stop yourself from digging yourself into that hole anyway. So you could just look at your program in the first place. So again, are they needed? Most likely not. And again, I would just spend my money somewhere else first. Yeah, for sure. 
because I think uh, again also sort of comes back to that idea of sort of the the you know looks dead fancy probably hopping on way too soon just like the pre-workouts you know you people people start stepping into a gym um you know you maybe haven't done done reading up on on these types of things you see the big bodybuilder walking around with his neon colored bcaas in the in the gym and looks dead cool and, and he's big so you know bcaas well hey um but you know as, as as touched on there's potentially some detrimental impacts to these things uh certainly other stuff to be addressed like your training programming if if what we're taking them for is sort of that a uh, you know more mitigating effect of stuff like doms um I think another reason why why they could be useful and sort of intra-workout supplementation as a whole uh, is just sort of an extra very convenient feeding and we'll, we'll kind of uh, wrap up on, on stuff like carb powders in a minute. Um, but sort of the idea of, you know, if you are in a, as you kind of get much further into your journey and your food starts to get higher and you are, you know, much more muscular, then it may kind of come to a point where, you know, could we reap the benefits of something like, you know, intra-workout carbohydrates for performance benefit? Again, also, you know, very dependent on, on your training and how that looks. Um, you know, is it potentially an easy way to get in an extra feeding of protein and carbohydrates in a, you know, very absorbable form intra-workout? Potentially, but again, it's worth, you know, bearing in mind if, if you really are at the point that, that you really warrant that yet. Um, again, you know, if you're, if you're dumbbell pressing the, the 10 kilo dumbbells, do you need to worry about stuff like intra-workout supplementation for the sake of performance benefit? Probably not. Um, so yeah, you know, are you at the point where you, you really cannot, you know, fit in any more food in terms of, you know, frequency of feedings and you can't really eat much more and you really could just use those couple extra hundred calories from, from something like an intra-workout shake and, you know, it's going to be easy to absorb so you can have it while training yeah, that's potential application, but are you really at that point yet? Or are there just other bases that you need to cover first and, you know, potentially just suck it up and eat a little more? Yeah. And, but there are, again, there, there are key considerations because you'll get people say like, well, you know, um, I'm taking dextros, um, I'm getting horrifically bloated during my workout. And like, and people will go, oh, maybe take citrodexin then or something because it digests better. And like, all right, but you know, how much are you using? Oh, well, I'm getting like 200 grams of carbs. Yeah, yeah. 200 grams of carbs during your workout is horrifically high. Of course, mm -hmm. you're getting bloated and your body's trying to digest a lot there. Even if it is an easily digestible source, your body's trying to digest a lot there. So you only want to use like 25 to 50 grams at most. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, dextrose is still a good option and it's the cheapest option. So if you are going to go down that route, I would still recommend dextros, but I would just be careful about how much you use them because again, there isn't there is never a case of why you need to use 200 grams anyway, because that's yeah. just you you're not going to be going through that much. I don't care how hard you train, you're not going to be going through that much. So mm. yeah, just just don't stop with the silliness on that front, trust. Yeah. 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 I guess I guess a, a good place to sort of wrap things up is on intra-workout carbohydrates. So I think I think the most sort of common form of these is you know as you as you mentioned dextrose, uh, cyclic dextrin, or stuff like maltodextrin. Uh, the real difference between the two latter ones, which are probably the most commonly used intra-workout, is a uh, cyclic dextrin has a lower molecular weight, tends to draw less water into the gut. Uh, this is what sometimes can cause sort of the the bloating issue. But as you said, you know, is it really just sort of the the source of, of carbohydrate powder that you've gone with or is it more so the dosing and are you just being an idiot and having too many carbohydrates during your training yep um you know in in reality even though that you know probably is the case in regards to you know drawing water into the gut with sort of the, the higher molecular weight of something like maltodextrin 
is the impact actually going to be that noticeable and actually cause significant bloating? Quite possibly not. Um, and yeah, it probably is more so the, the dose more than more than anything else when people are kind of finding those issues. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, something something like cyclic dextrin is a little bit more expensive. So it probably is worth playing about a little more and seeing, you know, if some of those cheaper alternatives do work a little better for you. Um, but again, I think that the main kind of benefit to something like intra-workout carbohydrates in general is sort of, you know, if you really need that extra food, that can be an easy way to, to kind of get in that extra feeding and those extra 200 calories. Because again, most people probably don't need intra-workout carbohydrates for the performance benefit. Because again, unless you are going through maybe a more metabolic style of training phase, you know, you're probably not going to need intra-workout yeah. I mean, the even in a metabolic style of training phase, you know, as long as you're eating enough carbohydrate in general, you won't need it. The only yeah. time I'd say it becomes more useful is if you're in some like a deficit where maybe just overall calories are lower and therefore your carbs are lower. Yeah. So maybe you want to prioritize your carbohydrate around the workout a little bit more. Maybe then it would be of use. Apart from that, it's but just not. Then that, not that brings up an interesting caveat, um, one one which I have talked about with people, because that 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 is a, a good point. You know, in a deficit, you may want to to look at more sort of intra workout supplementation and you know keeping carbohydrates around the the training parameters to you know for better performance. But you know, also worth depending if you're in a deficit where your actual you know food is at on the whole, because if that's then one minute. Can you hear that outside my window? No. Okay, brilliant. I'll carry on talking. Yeah. Again, struggles of living in the city center and trying to record something. But uh, yeah, so the, the other potential consideration is if your food is like really, really low, do you want to have any intra-workout carbohydrates at all? Or would you rather just, you know, potentially sacrifice something like those supplements and actually just have more solid carbohydrates that are actually going to fill you up better throughout the day and not leave you really hungry because then potentially then you're looking at a, at a decline in training performance if all you can think yeah. about food because you're starving hunger so, management obviously it's important now yeah yeah so you know many many considerations on an individual level to be made on all of these supplements and i guess that's probably a, a good place to to bring things to, to to an end on this one um you know the real takeaway from this we hope is uh you know even even if you're not quite as new hopefully this has kind of shone some light on the some things you may not have considered before, because uh, I think, you know, a lot of people aren't paying attention, sort of, you know, active forms of vitamins and stuff like that. People aren't sort of paying attention to, you know, how well their, their protein powder is digesting. I kind of had a dig at this back in the lifestyle video, but, you know, bloating's become way too normal and people are potentially just having their, their protein powders and not actually thinking of anything that's sort of going on in terms of their digestion. So, even if you are a little, you know, more well-versed in these things, hopefully this is still kind of provided a, a couple of new things for you hopefully you haven't get, gotten triggered when we've dissed some of your favorite products sorry in advance but not sorry really please choose better products and you know spend your money on better quality supplements yeah. um yeah i think uh, hopefully we've actually hopefully discouraged you as ben said in the beginning from taking supplements and made you wonder if what you're taking is really worth it or if there are you know better bases that you can cover without wasting your hard-earned money yeah yeah um that's it really just again you know get everything else in place first get your nutrition on point your training on point your lifestyle on point and then if there's still those gaps to cover if there's still that extra room for a bit more better performance then yeah then you can use a supplement 
other than that, though, did again without um, actually no, I'm just going to fully just say it. the only thing that I would put in place, no matter what, no matter where everything else is at, is creating. I, I just, I, it's just, it's just fantastic. So, just yeah, um, that's it. I think the one thing we didn't mention really quickly on creating is dosing wise. Again, as I said, it saturates the muscle 100, but it takes a bit of time to do that. So five grams every single day for about a month, and then you'll get the benefit. But then obviously keep taking it after that month. It's just it will take about a month to get the benefits in the first place, or if you can handle it, then 20 grams per day for a week should also do this, the trick and then go to five grams um, and it will saturate a bit faster and you get the benefits a bit faster. But yeah, hopefully, if anything, like I say, you know, we've kind of discouraged you from taking supplements unless you really need it or unless you've got everything else in place first. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much the fundamentals of supplements. Um that's it really um yeah i yeah. think we're now probably going to take a little break we've got some really cool episodes coming up um so we'll probably take a little bit of a break before while we kind of plan some of the finer details of what we're going to do with the advanced section of the education series uh but i think that you know hopefully brings to a close a lot of the sort of fundamentals around sort of bodybuilding and fitness hopefully you've been able to take some good stuff away from this and uh thank you for watching and we'll see you in the next one yep see you in the next one <laughs>